Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Power Forward Pod, hosted by the Power Forward Financial Advisory Group, where we believe two is better than one, dialogues are better than monologues, thoughts were meant to be challenged, and change is the only constant. So we're joined today by Bobby Castlander. Um, How you guys doing? Ready to roll, I think. All right. And Joe Shalom on my right, who's got some uh, good hacks for us today. So Bobby's got some good stats, and Joe's got some good hacks. So we're going to put the two together. Stats and hacks. Stats and hacks, right? Uh, Joe's going to the Nick game in a couple hours, so we're going to get some stats and hacks there as well. Uh, hopefully they'll win. Um, but uh, it's been a busy month at Power Forward Group. We've had a little bit of a hiatus uh, from the, our podcast sessions because we've been super busy uh, because of some of the travel we've been doing last month. I just got back from a wonderful vacation in Cancun with my family. Uh, Joe, I think you just got back. Where, where were you? Yeah, I was in Cancun too. We didn't get the overlap. We didn't get the overlap? Now, Joe definitely got a better <laughs> deal than me. That's why he's going to talk about hacks. Uh, Bobby, how about you? You doing any travel recently? Yeah, uh, more so just some weekend travel trips. So not taking too much time off work just because it's a busy time. But I uh, just got back from Austin, Texas this past weekend. How was the food? Very good. Yeah, we had a lot of good Tex-Mex food there, which is fantastic. Okay. so Pre- th- Pretty cool city. Yeah, yeah, I don't know if you guys have been. but I've been to Houston, Dallas. I haven't made Austin. Yeah, really nice. Never been to Texas. It's on my bucket list. Well, you got to get some more clients in Texas. Bobby's got a bunch. Bobby, you got to bring me along. All right. Uh, but you were there for fun, not for clients, right? Was there for fun and then had a ski trip earlier this uh, a couple of weekends ago with you, actually. Okay, so Killington. We're here in one concert with Bobby. Bobby does weekend trips <laughs> and makes sure he's at work Monday through Friday. <laughs> Someone's uh, got to be working. Someone's got to be working. Yeah, Bobby likes the three-day trips, you know. I like 10-day trips. Yeah. Right. So Joe Joe and I, yeah, Joe did it. We'll call it 10 days. I did a 10-day trip. Um, and now we're all suffering. We missed our podcast because we were all traveling and... Now we're doing our client review cycles, and we've been running around maybe 15 meetings a day, making sure we meet all our clients as we kind of get to the new year uh, and get our year started off on the right foot. And every time we, you know, start those calls with clients, we talk about recency bias, the most recent thing we do. So we always start with vacation, our recent trips. And what we hear back from clients all the time is about their plans for their trips, which has been, I think, a massive thing since COVID. I think every time we speak to clients, I think we're hearing more and more about travel, thoughts on travel. Um, and what the next big trip is planned. Uh, Joe and I, before COVID, had a, co- a client, a couple with one child, um, and they literally planned their entire year uh, around their vacation, which I love. I think it's kind of... Uh, they already have plenty, 2025 planned. Okay. They, Give me the highlights. What were the last three years of vacations? That's a tough one. I know they have Australia planned for the end of 2024. They do uh, a couple different cruises. Disney, their goal is for their child to see every single continent and country in the world. That kid's going to have a great life and hopefully not be super spoiled. Um, so I didn't have that experience. My parents never took me to Disney. I did take my kids to Disney. but uh, My parents love Disney. I wish I, they didn't love Disney because I'm there too often. <laughs> yeah, we only did ski vacations, which I love, but we did give our kids Disney, and uh, we got that experience. And we just got back from Cancun, which was also great. Um, the weather was kind of awful, which I've been hearing a lot this year from a lot of people's vacations. And what I learned in Mexico, when the weather's awful, you obviously have to find things to do is when you have three kids in a hotel room. So we traveled every day, and the constant was, no matter what activity we did, it was $100 a person. So every single day on top of vacation was another $500 spend, whether it was a cenotes, whether it was ATV, it was just $500, $500, $500. So... With plan vacations, you have your constant cost, and then you have your, all right, we got to have fun costs and everything else associated with it. Um, but it's been one of the uh, biggest, I think, spends for a lot of American families right now is kind of the cost of vacation. Joe, what are the... Yeah, I saw, I saw a stat recently, I forgot, I think it was by uh, IPX, that 50% of people are tra- 
planning to travel more this year than last year, and that travels up 60% from last year to the year before. So if you compound that number, you look at you know almost 80, 85% of people are going to be traveling more this year than they did two years ago, which is significant. So I guess the airline industry is pretty happy about that? Oh, I think they're having record profits right now. <laughs> yeah, hope Boeing keeps that going. You know, you know, <laughs> We don't want air doors blowing up airplanes when we're overcrowding them. Um, but that sounds good. Um, from a planning perspective, when we when we think about budgeting, like how do how do those fit fit into families' budgets? Yeah, we uh, when we talk with clients, we always make sure they try and budget and plan for it because that's what you do, right? You want to work to enjoy your money. You don't want to be working all the time. You know, Bobby likes his weekend trips. I like my long trips. Ruben, I don't know what he likes. He likes all types of trips. <laughs> the idea is we, we want to plan for it and get ahead of it. Yeah. Um, who's got what plans? Do you have anybody have plans coming up? No, nothing coming up. I'm trying to think. We have, you know, a lot of weddings coming up, uh, bachelor trips this year, but not not for a couple more. Well, months that's kind of a thing, starts, right? Like, so we plan for our own fun trips, and I'm yeah. old, so I don't have these uh, bachelor party trips anymore, and I don't have destination weddings. But uh, you get to choose your trips, and then sometimes your trips are chosen for you. What's that been like? It's been an adventure for sure. <laughs> the last two years have been the busiest years of my life, just with weddings. Um, I think last year I had including my own we had i think eight or nine weddings on the wow. books the year before that we had my wife and i had like 13 um and it was it's a lot and it's tough because my wife she's she's got a lot of friends and she's in almost all of these weddings so i don't have a lot of choices whether i'm going or not but uh are those destination busy. weddings there's been some yeah we were in italy last year um we're going to one in columbia later this year for one of my best friends um you know florida nashville um one in california later this year so you can see those. Uh, everyone knows that have, you know that goes to weddings and everything. They, those those things add up. So that's a trip in itself. Right. So those are outside the budget, unbudgeted for events that are hopefully fun, but definitely required. Right. They're always fun. I'll tell you that. I mean, weddings are always a good time, right? No one's going to complain at a wedding, but uh, but the expenses definitely add up for sure. So that's something you got to do. You know, ahead of time, right? Going going into the year, you got to plan. You got to really budget all of those things out. Right. Um, but I think. I think it's the hardest thing to budget for, right? I think my, my example is a perfect example, right? Every we, We'll talk more about how I tried to save money on my trip. And I don't have all Joe's hacks, but we tried. Uh, but then every day we add another $500 on top. You come out with a big number. Um, and I know it's been a big issue recently just across the country, just spending debt, inflation. And again, since COVID, I think people will do anything to travel. I think those two years of pent up, uh, that pent up environment uh, has led to an environment where everybody will travel at any cost. It's called revenge travel. Is that what you call it? It's, no, it's a thing. Okay. It's actually what they're calling it now, the travel industry. It's all about revenge travel now. People need to travel because they weren't able to travel in the past. Yeah. Right, so... Oh, it makes sense. Revenging on who? The missed, well, out, the missed, the missed, <laughs> the missed experiences, missed right? Yeah. You know. And, and there's a whole thing now that people want to travel with friends and group experiences, especially that you could still have some quasi-work from home that, you know, people are doing those long extended weekends. They're saying, hey, I'm taking a week off. I'm actually going to be working at the same time. So they're going week 10, two, two, three weeks and working at the same time as uh, vacationing effectively. Yeah, that working at the same time thing is tough, though. That's, that's a good point. Yeah, I think a lot of people are traveling more because they have that ability to work remote. Yeah. Right? So I, we're seeing it with our clients also, right? They, especially around the holiday season, they can go off, you know, two, three, four weeks. They go, you know, vacation for one week, go see their family for a couple of weeks because they can work from home. You know, you didn't get to have that before COVID. I think that was a big advantage. Besides for the airline prices going up, but everything else. Well, prices are definitely going up, right? So it's revenge on somebody, but it's definitely not revenge on the travel industry. Um, how, do, how are we paying for this? Like, uh, What's the cost? 
it's, it's a lot. Um, and it's funny you say that, right? So there was an article that came out earlier today. Uh, CNBC posted it. Um, we're at all-time record highs of where credit card debt is. Um, title of the article was, Credit Card Debt Hits a Staggering $1.13 trillion. Here's why so many Americans are under pressure. So the Federal Reserve Bank of New York uh, just came out with this um, this information uh, this week. First time we're hitting over a trillion dollars on credit card debt. Now that can be attributed to a lot of different things that are going on, right? One, right, higher prices. Um, I think lately, you know, there's there's still lingering inflation in pockets of the economy, right? That's causing consumers to spend down their savings and, and put more and more money on credit cards. Um, rising interest rates, right? So that's kind of having a huge effect on it as well. Uh, I think the average credit card rate now is over 20%, which let's pause there for a second. Um, you know, financial planning 101, you got to pay down that debt, right? Carrying over a, a large credit card debt month over month is a very easy way to kind of cripple your finances. Um, so that that needs to be taken care of um, immediately. Uh, but I think all of those things, right? Lingering inflation, right? Things are still going up, right? They're we're not at you know two percent inflation or one percent inflation rates anymore. So things are still going up, right? Gas, food, um, right? Go, go to Chipotle, right? What does a burrito bowl cost you now? It's I don't like, know. It's like, a, it's like an eighteen, eighteen, nineteen dollars, right? I'm, I'm out of there just with, with a bowl. It's like eighteen dollars. That's, that's crazy. That, that sounds like my one slice of pizza I had today. Yeah, I mean, well, a few years ago, I feel like it was maybe ten dollars, but like prices are still going up. All right, so fast food's going up, and we're hearing, <laughs> we're hearing consumer debt's going way up, and. Uh, uh, those are the, those are Bobby's hard hitting stats. Uh, what are the hacks? Do we have any hacks? Work with us. Oh, <laughs> How do we do that? We're giving free vacations. No, but I'll, I'd love a free vacation. You know, I'm getting free Nick tickets, so maybe we get a vacation on that too. Actually, Joe and I actually won a uh, one uh, a free vacation at a I think it was a blind raffle earlier the this charity year. A charity auction, event. Yeah. yeah. How did yeah. that work out? Have you used it yet? Haven't used it, but it's still a great deal. Paid, I think, like $800 for like a $5,000 vacation value. Um, I was going to use it, but then I ended up going to Cancun instead because uh, I thought I had a better value there. So now I'm left with a free vacation. <laughs> Wait, when is that vacation good until? I think we have like 2026, 2025. So I have enough, enough time. And it's good for like 27 nights. So Okay, so this, this is Joe and his hacks, right? This is why I listen to Joe because uh, we're both at the same charity auction. Joe comes up to me and says, you got you to put in for this, uh, this what, Antigua, I think it is. Yeah, we could use it in a bunch of places. I think Panama, Antigua, Barbados, Grenadines. I'll say, sure, no problem, Joe. I'm putting it in. And then when I get the fine print, it is till 2025 or 2026. Uh, but there is, I thought it, I thought you win and you win. That's it. It's free. It turns out there's a resort cost every day. There's always some <laughs> added cost. Uh, but, uh, yeah, Joe, when you, when you just when you want... look at the final numbers, though, you still end up saving a couple thousand dollars. That's how I look at it, right? Anything I do, it's you always have to pay for something. It's just, can it be cheaper than what you would pay retail? Joe's Bible to life. Anything I do, can it be cheaper than retail? So tell us how He's you do that. He's very good at that. That's, um, that's very true. Credit card points. That's how you do it. Credit card points. Oh, wait. So Bobby's telling us we get a lot of debt on the one hand. He's getting all his consumer information from credit cards, and Joe's advocating credit card points. How does that work? Yeah. So uh, there's all different credit card companies, right? Banks, you know, frequent flyers, everyone heard of it. You know, they all have these branded credit cards now. And the more you spend on the credit card, the more points you get effectively. And you could then... Use those points for you know, cheaper airfare, buying tickets, hotels, different options, or just you know for travel in general. And if you play the game strategically, you can use those points and get discounts on travel. The game sounds like the more you spend, which sounds to Bobby's points like <laughs> the more debt you rack up, one trillion dollars, which I don't know what one trillion dollars really means. Well, that that's how the credit card companies make money, obviously, right? For everyone who 
swipes on the credit card. If you don't pay, they're making 20% or something. Exactly. Not that many people actually use the points appropriately. So they, they want you to spend because, yeah, they'll give you two, three percentage points back with the points. But if they're getting 20, 25% on the other side, they're making 22%. They're very happy. So. Well, everybody does look at debt differently. Like when we, we, we send our clients before a first meeting, we send them a financial questionnaire. And when they fill out that questionnaire, one of the questions is, uh, how much debt do you have? And you get student loans, you get mortgages on there, um, and some clients put credit card debt. And it's interesting because to some clients, credit card debt is credit card debt. It's Joe's 20% that he's referring to or uh, the numbers, the high APR rates that we see. Um, other clients will put it there as debt, but when we ask the question, they're paying that off monthly. They're not actually paying any of those yep. interest rates they're paying at the end of the month. Um, sometimes they see that as debt, yet they're paying it off before it becomes actually accruing at a high interest rate. Uh, and sometimes when I look at that in my own life, the credit card is how I pay for a lot of my transactions, that or I take my phone and swipe it, which creates more and more emotional ease. Apple Pay. Apple Pay, right? But uh, auto pays at the end of every single month. It's me just flowing money through my bank account through uh, the retail side. Well, yeah, credit cards are great because it gives you that protection, right, or that fraud protection, right? If you put everything on your debit card and someone steals your debit card, right, that money's come directly out of your account. Wait, sorry, debit card, credit card, what's the difference? Yeah, so a credit card is basically a company's extending you credit to use it, and then you have to pay them back. If you don't pay them back, they charge you interest. A debit card is basically saying, hey, I have money in my bank account. Mm -hmm. I'm going to use this card instead of having to go to the ATM and pull cash out. I can use this card to pay, to pay for it. So aside from using it to take cash out of the ATM, right, which is important, do you, do you recommend, do you think there's ever a good time to be using a debit card? Me personally, no. I would never use a debit I, card. I agree. If a client uses a debit card, I'm, I'm shocked. Yeah. Um, the benefit, though, is, right, if, you know, you had credit card debt in the past and it's hard to, to budget, it is an easier way to budget, but you are giving yourself more risk where if someone steals that, you know, it's very easy. You know, I'm sure people's credit cards get stolen. I've had fraud on my cards a couple of times. If you get fraud on your debit card, it's much harder, less, less protection from that perspective. So I like the right. protection a credit card offers, besides for the points aspect, obviously. Well, it's free points. <laughs> you're, getting, you're getting money back. Like. Yeah, right. And the cards I use are 2% cash back. So everything I spend, you know, if I get 2% back is points, that's, that's free money to me, effectively. Okay, so you're getting free money, you're getting free points. How are you doing it? You got to be strategic. There's, I have, I think, maybe nine different credit cards right now in my wallet. Well, I, I get confused going that's, all the That's a lot. <laughs> Seems like this, a lot. The second we start talking about points, and the points are run by, like, a different company. Different airlines. You got to You have different transfer right. airlines. Like, that's where it gets confusing. Now I'm in their system, right? I'm in their court, right? And I think that's part of the idea. Like, you're, you've entered somebody else's rules. Every company has different rules. They all call it points. When you think about points just on a general level, like what, what is a point worth? What is, what is the value of a point? Well, every point is different, obviously. But to me, it's that I'm able to book something without actually having to spend money for it. All right, I'll give you an example. I went uh, a couple of years ago to Cayman Islands. I had Marriott points. I think I spent like 100,000 Marriott points for five nights. Uh, I didn't pay a single dollar for that. How hotel. did you get those points? I spent <laughs> on the Marriott credit card. <laughs> okay, so you didn't, they're not free. <laughs> but yes, obviously the points have value. But when I'm actually going and spending money on booking the hotel, no. So I look at it as free. So where's the advantage? I don't have to spend cash to actually book that hotel. And where the real advantage is that sometimes, right, let's say I have 100,000 points, I can book a $1,000 a night hotel. So I can get a, for five nights $5,000 for 100,000 points. If you value the points at penny, two pennies a point, whatever it is, I'm getting a good deal. So even if I say, hey, these points cost me, you know, $2,000 retail, but this hotel is $5,000. I saved $3,000 to book that same hotel. And I would never go out of pocket and spend that $1,000 on that hotel, but I would use the points to do it. How do you find these deals? That's that's the thing, right? You got to do all this research. You got to find out. Uh, it's know. a lot of work. Yeah. Definitely a lot that's, of work. 
I'm in, you know, all different group chats of different ideas and thoughts to try and figure it out. Um, I do a lot of reading up on it. Uh, so, Bobby, I, I think you have you have basketball tonight. I do later tonight. Yeah, yeah. I got a beer league hockey game, Joe. What are you, you, <laughs> Joe's going home. Do some research. You going to the Knicks game? Okay, fine. But on another night, Joe might be going home to do some research on his points. Uh, it's more when I have trips, I try and figure it out. Right? Like uh, you are like a part-time travel agent. You could be. <laughs> yeah. I'd love to be a travel agent, uh, but I'm a financial advisor, so I'm not sure we can do both. <laughs> yeah, no, it's uh, it's, it's not easy to, to be on top of it, right? I think I tried to help Bobby plan his honeymoon, and he got all jammed up with all the points, so he just said, yeah, I'm doing you, you confused me. There's just, you got, you got to open this card, this card, this card, and transfer it. I'm like, yeah, there, there was a point where I was opening up uh, maybe two, three cards just to get the sign-up bonuses. How does that work? 120,000. Tell me about sign-up bonuses. Yeah, so there's... Uh, Every card, right, all these credit card companies want you to spend on their card. So what they'll do is they'll say, hey, I'll give you a sign-up bonus of 50,000 points, 80,000 points, 100,000 points, 120, whatever it is, depending on the card and how much you spend, right? Because the more you spend on the card, the more money they make if you don't pay. So they'll say, hey, you spend $10,000 over three months on this card, we'll give you 100,000 points. Just to be clear, though, you're not advocating people spend more money just to get points. Oh, no, of course not. You have to have the expenses to pay it, or you're just going to go into debt and... That's not, it's not worth paying that 20%. Absolutely not. When, if ever, do you use cash? Never. I don't remember the last time I went to the ATM. Yeah, I don't have cash on me very frequently unless I'm on vacation um, or maybe out of the country a little bit. You can use it for tipping a little bit. But other than that, I don't really use cash too much. Okay, so everything goes on everybody's card. Right. You guys are both paying off your cards on a monthly basis, like automatically? Every, everything, that's that's step one. Everything. Yeah, I don't there, do it automatically. There's I no. Do it. You manually do it. Yeah. Now I'm a little afraid. <laughs> Why? Uh, what if you forget? I get the emails. And then once I get the email, I set up the uh, payment. I just like to be on top of my things. I like to check yeah. the statements, make sure there's no fraud happening. I do the same thing. I'll, I'll check the statements once a month. Yeah, um, Ruben's the only one who just sends money get, out without looking. You can put, noti- you can put notifications on your phone, you know, yeah. Capital One card, payments coming up in three days, make sure. Yeah, I do that. I have, it, I have it seven days, actually. Yeah. But How many cards do you have open right now? Nine. Nine. Do you ever close a card? Is there ever? An yeah. How does that affect? Does that affect your credit score? Do you, do you know? I, I've never closed a card. Uh, they say it does affect your credit score, but not because the closing the card is bad, but because of the credit utilization ratio. Right. So the way it works is, if you have, let's just say, you know, fifty thousand dollars of credit, and you spend ten thousand dollars in your card, they're going to say, hey, you spent twenty percent of your available credit, right? And they want to see that you have twenty, thirty percent of your credit utilization only spent above that affects your credit. I don't know what that actually means. I have no idea. But if you say, hey, I'm going to close a card, and on that card I have a $10,000 credit limit, so now instead of having 50000 you only have 40000 and you spend 10000 now you went from 20% to 25%. So that's the negative aspect. Also, if it was one of your earlier cards, and you close it, let's say it was your first credit card, now the length of time you had that card decreased, it affects it. So I've never closed the card. Um, if it's a free card, like I could just lock it, throw it in the drawer, never use it. Um, mm-hmm. But every card I have, I pretty much use in one capacity or another. So, I mean, I see the advantages sometimes because I see the deals you get, but from my personal perspective is that's a lot to manage. It requires a lot of time. And for every card I'm playing in somebody else's ball field, right? Every ball field, everybody else has different rules. Now I got to figure out what's going on there and I got to manage that. Yeah. So like I used to have a Marriott card or I still actually have a Marriott card and that used to be an unbelievable card. That was like the card I put all my spending on when I first started and I got a bunch of trips. And then they de- devalued their points, right? They said instead of it being 20,000 points to book a hotel room worth $1,000, now it's 30,000. Then it went to 40,000, then to 50,000. So that value of that point decreased. So 
that card I still have because it still gives me some value, um, but not as much as it used to. And right. lately, some other cards that say, hey, I can now you know, spend on, let's call it, have a Capital One card. I put my cards on Capital One, right? There's no Capital One hotels. There's no Capital One flights. But Capital One now allows me to transfer those points to other airlines or other hotels. So but now the- I could say, hey, I'm flying on you know, Air Canada, and I could transfer my points from Capital One to Air Canada and use those there. So it gives me a lot more flexibility. The, the Marriott card, though, that example is kind of where everything kind of weirds me out or freaks me out a little bit in terms of just having to track what happens over time, right? And you see, you see it everywhere, right? I use a Chase Sapphire card. Um, the reason I started with it is because I got travel credits for it, right? So I think I don't... You have the, the preferred sun, or the reserve? The reserve, I think. Um, your annual fee is 550 or is it 95 it's five fifty, right? And and the first time the first time I, I did it, I think that was the point, right? The first time I did it, the selling point was That's the preferred. The reserve. It's that's us. the reserve, that's his reserve. Joe does apparently doesn't know <laughs> what he's talking about. Uh, it says reserve. Um but I remember I think it was I, I think it was three three ninety five or three hundred dollars when I started with it and the sales pitch was, Hey, you get all these sign up points, which I got. Um, but you get a refund of uh, $300 in travel fees. Basically, yep. you refunded the entire card uh, off your travel fees, and that included, like, me swiping the MTA, uh, my MTA card back in the day. And each time I took the train, I was getting that. Every flight, my first flight, would just refund the whole card. So I was netting out at zero, plus the bonus points, plus anything else I put in the point, uh, on the card. Within a year, though, within two years, what happened? Raised the annual fee. Exactly, right? But there's a lot of other benefits, though. Sure, you're getting value from the other benefits. But, but my point is the game changed on me. And if I'm not tracking that game, that changing game, if I'm not the person who's going to track that, maybe maybe one card, maybe two cards is appropriate. But if I get to six, seven things that I can't track, I'm sure I'm going to start to lose, right? The game is built on me losing to some degree. It has but to be. Credit card companies always win. That's that's why they charge you 20-something percent interest. Yeah, and less than 1% on their bank accounts, their savings accounts, right? Yeah, what do you mean? Right. Chase, they're, they're, yeah. I think that JP. Chase's fee, I think it's like 27%. I think I get 0.001 oh, on my exactly. bank account. If I even get any interest on my bank account. It's robbery. Right, so I think the way the way the way some people need to look at it is like, what can you handle? What do you have headspace for? And what you, what can you plan around? Uh, my version of a hack is uh, my vacation in Cancun. Friends of ours owned a timeshare there, and uh, we got uh, twenty five hundred dollars off the vacation as long as we did that timeshare tour. Uh, we were there for ten days. The first day I was there, uh, we met with the timeshare agent, and he asked me if I was going to take this tour seriously. And I said I would take him seriously, but I had no plans on buying property. Um, and of course, uh, they made me nuts until I had the tour. I asked to have it that day, and they kept delaying and moving around the tour. And they played all these mind tricks. And when I did the actual tour, um, they do an amazing job of selling. But I always know it's in my capability of standing up and saying, "Great, thank you for the ninety minutes. I got my twenty five hundred dollars discount, and I'm going to move on." That was my hack. So you're not buying a timeshare. I'm not buying timeshare. I thought about it because they're really good at selling. But uh, you could buy them on eBay sometimes for a dollar. Apparently, timeshare for eBay. Yeah, go check it out. I'm not recommending it because they come with maintenance fees, taxes, and there's always a reason somebody's selling something for a buck, right? Yeah, I'm not a fan of timeshares just because I don't like to go to the same place all the time. I like to see different places, right? Right. So um, I, th- I, th- I think when we think about a lot of these things, I think there's something that's appropriate for Joe. To me, it's totally not appropriate because I know who I am. I know I can't track all that stuff. That's why, you have, that's why you have me to call that points, but Bobby doesn't listen I, I don't to think the average person story. has nine cards, but... but. Joe, hey, if you can handle it, that's great. Yeah, and I, I keep thinking about getting another one because the sign-up bonus is so worth it. <laughs> they keep coming out with new ones. Yeah, there, there was actually a great deal on a Chase card that expired. I was like, maybe I should get this one for my wife because I already have that card, and this is a great opportunity for me to get. 
What's the worth to ten cards? No, I didn't end up doing it. It was just I wasn't in the, I didn't have the head to, to track another card at that. Time. So nine is the limit. Joe cuts himself <laughs> off at nine cards. You heard it. No, no, first. no. That on my login, if I have to go to her login, it's another login, right? So when I log into my chase, I see all my cards there. So for me to track, you know, I have four. I think either four or five chase cards. It's very easy because it's one login. I see my bank. I see my cards in one spot. Now if I have to log into hers, the second login is more to track. Okay, so that, that's the cutoff. The login. What you can track and what you can't track. That was, you know, a couple months ago. That doesn't mean it's not going to change depending on the points and the values and the bonuses and stuff like that. Yeah. Any other areas you use your points that are interesting? I like, I like it for travel. I've used it for hotels, flights. I actually uh, went to, I think it was Dubai last year, which, you know, round trip in business class is about $5,000. And I spent $1,000 and 100,000 points per seat. So I effectively got 200,000 points for $8,000 worth of value. So to me, that... Is a home run. Okay. Bobby, what cards do you have in your wallet? Got the Capital One um, Venture X. Oh, you got the Venture X? I do. I got the Venture X last year. And then nice. I got the, what else do I have? I the feel a, like Joe got a referral bonus the, now. The Amex, no, Platinum, I don't, I don't the think Amex so. Platinum card. Which is, uh, both those two. Not a big fan of the Amex. Yeah. Chase cards are, are my favorite right now. I have are they? four different Chase cards because they have this thing called the Chase Bifecta, trifecta, quadfecta, you, you name it. All right, well, <laughs> we're, now we're going to get lost because Joe's going to get deep. Um, but, uh, Joe, I've, I've even heard you say sometimes you pay your taxes on your credit card. Is that yeah, true? Yeah. How does that work? So if you get uh, 2% back in miles, points, however you want to look at it, I could pay my taxes and it costs me 1.82%. So I'm making 0.18% difference just to get the points. And I gave you the example of Dubai where I actually turned those points from a penny a point to really four cents a point then, you know, I'm really making two point, I guess, and almost 3% more on those points by putting it on points as opposed to just paying them for my bank account outright. Okay, so... And they help with sign-up bonuses, but we're not going to recommend that. Not I thought you liked the sign-up bonuses. <laughs> oh, I do. I'm not recommending that to other people. <laughs> You're going to be able to pay the bills. Right, I, no, but I think that comes back to the takeaway. I think know who you are, right? Um, we're not advocating uh, becoming one of the $1 trillion in debt that... Um, Americans have some of that, a large part of that, apparently going to vacations. We take more and more vacations and blow the doors off planes. Um, and as we take more vacations, I'm sure the prices of our vacations continue to go up. But I think at the same time, if you can, if you can track it and be cognizant of different ways to save money uh, and get hacks like sign-up bonuses and TSA pre-check and global entry and all oh, things. TSA pre-check oh. and global entry, right? That's, that's big, right? There's a lot of benefits that credit cards have also. Right? Like Joe moving to first in the line? Yeah, of course. Why, why not? Who wants to wait on an hour and a half Newark line when you can, you know, pay for global entry? Um, you know, I came back from Cancun, and we had global entry, so we waited on a line. They looked at our face, and they said, "Up, oh, Joseph Shalom, you're good to go." And we went right through. We didn't have to wait on. I think it was about a half hour. And a lot of a lot of the line. cards have the sign up bonus for it, right? You sign up for the Venture X. I think it comes with global entry. Yeah, you get a hundred dollar global entry credit yeah. every five years, right? So I have a couple of those cards. I got one for me, one for my wife, and I'll do one for my kids also. Um, they also have like traveler's insurance, you know, if you lose your bag, they have, uh, again, depending on the type of card you have, the travel cards for the most part give you, you know, if you're delayed, lost baggage, um, a lot of different options, yeah. which I think, again, is beneficial if you're traveling, and that's really what we're talking about is using them for travel. I think the part that got you most excited was Joe Shalom, you moved to the front of the line, and Joe's like, all right, I'm the guy. That's not how it works. It's a separate line, Rufin. You got to know that already. That means you don't have TSA pre-check. I do have pre-check. I do not have global entry. The whole system, when I think deeply about it, bothers me a lot that if you pay money, you can cut to the front of the line at a supposed security checkpoint. But uh, we'll leave that topic for another day. Um, we'll 
looking forward to all our upcoming vacations and making sure we can complete all our client reviews because of the backlog we've created in our schedule during vacations. And we should all learn from Bobby and take vacations when actual vacation days are appropriate <laughs> or work from the beach. Uh, that was good too. Well, that's what you used to do during COVID, right? You went to uh, St. Thomas and you worked there for a couple of weeks. I did. Uh, that was a revenge vacation because the <laughs> middle of COVID, I took my two boys. We all had had COVID. And like the, the week first, before, right? Yeah. We all had COVID the week before. That was the COVID card at the time because there was no vaccine yet. And the idea of uh, vacation spots was you had to go somewhere in the U.S. We went to St. St. Thomas and St. John. We sat on the beach. And what I learned very quickly is I can respond to emails from the beach. I can be responsive, but I will not do anything proactive when I'm sitting in front of a beautiful beach uh, with my two kids having a great time. That was a wonderful vacation. It was definitely a revenge vacation. Um, but uh, we thank you all for joining us today. And uh, Joe, enjoy the Nick game and go do some more research for all of us. Uh, I'm going to enjoy some hockey tonight. And Bobby, uh, you better score some points. Going to win a game. Let's do it. Let's go, baby. All right. Enjoy. Take care.